had men's prayer yesterday, and I was just overwhelmed with the turnout. A lot of our men showed up yesterday, and we had a great, great time in prayer, and very thankful for that, but God nudged me uh, during the prayer meeting, and uh, the word miracle popped into my head, and um, it started with Brother Brad's testimony that I shared with you Wednesday night. If you've not seen that or heard that, you're welcome to pull that up um, from our website or Facebook Live, I think, and, and you can you can hear that testimony of a miracle that God performed in his home. But I believe God has opened the door for us to see things that we've never seen before. And I'm believing that, and we're going to start preaching that. So uh, we're, we, we've, we've pampered and babied this COVID, COVID thing as long as I'm going to do it. It's time to move on. Church needs to move on. I'm not getting a lot of amens, but it's okay. You can, whatever. <clears throat> so I preached to you several Sundays ago. God has given me an assignment to lead the church forward, and we're going to do our best to follow the commandment and the voice of God. My message today is based on the comparison between the Jews that wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and those a generation later that actually entered the promised land. I want to show you the difference between wilderness dwellers and promised land occupants. I want to show you the difference today between wilderness dwellers and promised land occupants. Both have left their Egypt or sin behind in repentance. They've crossed the Red Sea being baptized in Jesus' name. Both are heirs of Abraham through the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And are both are qualified recipients of the promise of God. Both are. One marches in a spiritual circle while the other marches forward. One depends on manna and quail while the other enjoys milk and honey, houses they didn't build and vineyards they didn't plant. One is full of fear and questions while the other shouts, and victory. My question to you is, which one are you? We are going to take a short journey today through portions of the book of Joshua and even talk a little bit about the man Joshua. So today I implore you, those that are on campus, those that are watching live stream, I implore you today to hear the Word of God and begin today again to apply the promises of God while at the same time life brings you these incredible challenges. The time to apply the promise of God is when you're being challenged. When things are healthy and normal and there's nothing going on, the promise of God seemingly don't have quite as much value in our life. But now is the time for the church to rise and embrace the promises of God. Live in them, walk in them, move in them, worship in them, pray in them, work in them. Your job, work, everything we do. For the Bible said, in Him we live and move and have our being. Amen. Casey sent a very startling statistic to me this week, and it has bothered me bad. And I am so thankful today that Grace Church is not in this percentage. But since this pandemic started, the average church in America, their attendance is averaging 30 to 35 percent of what they normally had in their church before this pandemic started. That don't apply here today. We're doing pretty good, but we could do better, right? But I'm thankful you're here. I'm telling you, now is the time for the church to rise. 
Now is the turn time for the church to rise. I'm going to say it again. Now is the time for the church to rise and show the power, the might, majesty of God and to live in his promise. Everybody clap your hands to the Lord today. Hallelujah. So for those of you still living in the wilderness, I hope you become weary with walking in circles, listening to the voices that promote fear, and living unfulfilled lives. It's time to move forward, and it is time to move upward. It's time to become a promised land occupant. The promised land is not a resort. It's not a vacation spot. It's not a tourist trap. It's a place where the people of God need to live 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And if you'll excuse my expression, it's where we live. Come hell or high water and you're doing it. Oh, my. I feel feel a little preach coming on I ain't even got to my text yet. But it's time to come become a promised land occupant. Welcome to your promised land that requires faith and courage to be engaged. Today is a time we begin enjoying our inheritance in Jesus again. Okay. I'm going to challenge you today. Watch this. Here's my text, Joshua 21, verse 43. This is toward the end of Joshua. And the Lord, get out your Bibles, those of you that brought them. We didn't ask you to bring them to sit on the chair next to you. Get out your Bible, Joshua 21, and verse 43. And the Lord gave unto Israel part of the land. The translation in our modern era during this pandemic right now is that God gave unto Israel part. Hello? God took something back when this pandemic started, right? God God wasn't as serious during COVID as he was before, right? That's how we've been living. The Lord gave unto Israel all the land which he sware to give unto their fathers, and they possessed it and dwelt therein. And the Lord gave them rest round about according to all that he sware unto their fathers. And there stood not a man of all their enemies before them. And the Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. There failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel. All, everything, all of it came to pass. That's powerful. That's some strong stuff right there, buddy. I thought there'd be about eight or nine people running the aisles by the time I got done with that. So I want to preach to you today about a promised land occupant living there. Living there. I don't want to pat myself on the back and try to be a hero. But I I staggered a little bit when this pandemic started. I did. I'm I'm being honest. I wasn't worried about the pandemic. I was worried about you. I was worried about our church. But I've not yet missed a Sunday or a Wednesday due to the pandemic. We've been here every Sunday and every Wednesday since March, preaching and teaching the Word of God. I have never abandoned my promised land. I never gave it up. We've been here. All right, let me get to my sermon. For seven years, the length of the book of Joshua, seven years, the children of Israel, the promised land occupants, were virtually untouchable. Seven nations had been conquered. At least 31 kings had been defeated. 
approximately 10,000 square miles of choice property had been claimed and was now being occupied by the people of God. Seven years of unbridled success. They were outnumbered, but not outpowered. They were under-equipped, but not overwhelmed. They were the unlikely but unquestionable conquerors of some of the most barbaric armies in history. Had the campaign been a prize fight, the referee would have called the fight in the first round. The Hebrew people were unstoppable. You need to hear that today. They were unstoppable. But they hadn't always been. The Bible doesn't gloss over the checkered history of God's chosen people. Abraham had at least one too many women. Jacob told too many lies. Esau sold his birthright. Joseph's brother betrayed him and sold him into slavery. Four centuries of Egyptian bondage were followed by 40 years of wilderness wandering. Then 70 years later of Babylonian captivity, the Hebrew people built two temples only to lose them both. They were given the Ark of Covenant only to lose it. Babylonia built her cities. Greece flexed her muscle. Rome stretched her empire. And Israel in the schoolroom of ancient society. She was the kid with a black eye, bullied and beat up. And may I say to you today, and such are some of you. There's something just boiling in my spirit right now. I feel, I felt it for several weeks as I've told you, but the tide is beginning to turn in favor of the kingdom of God, in favor of the church. You must hear me today. It is time that we rise once again, Brother Brad, and claim a hold to the promise of God that when there's trouble in our life, we don't run hide, but we give God a shot at winning us a victory and providing a path forward and fulfilling his promise in our life. Let me submit to you right now. The church is standing able and ready to fulfill the promise of God on this planet. It's up to you and I to become an occupant of those promises. See, what you may not be hearing the song they sang this morning, I totally concur with Brother Ben. I was getting nervous. He was starting to dance around a little bit what I want to preach to you today. But I, it's, it's more than believing to me right now. I believe in the promise of God. I do. I have faith in the promise of God. And, and, and you have too. There's a host of people here today that's resting on the promise of God. Some may be struggling a little more with others than others, but it's okay. We're all here. We're all here, ready and anxious to see what God has coming for us next. But it's not that I just believe God. I live it. I live in it. I do my best to walk to walk and talk to talk. It's not just a cute wordsy song that we sing on Sunday when they started singing that song something welled up on the inside of me and I thought dear God that song has a whole different meaning now than it did six months ago eight months ago I do believe I believe I believe yes I believe I believe and I believe and my belief has caused me to live where I believe my belief has caused me to trust what I believe anybody on board yet We may be the kid with a black eye and that's been bullied and beat up a little bit. But I say greater is he that's in the church than Hallelujah. Woo. Hallelujah. Now you notice. Except for the seven years that the book of Joshua talks about, the fulfillment of God's promise to Israel was beyond their reach. On the timeline of your Bible, the era glistens between the difficult days of Exodus and the dark age of the judges. Moses had died. And the Hebrews were beginning their fifth decade as Bedouins in the Badlands. And somewhere around 1400 B.C., God spoke. 
you have to understand. God spoke. God spoke. Joshua listened. And the fulfillment of promise began. God spoke to Pastor several weeks ago. Pastor listened. And the fulfillment of his promise is beginning in our lives again. If you don't believe it, ask Brad and Fallon. I'm going to harp that miracle. You're going to hear it. Oh, yes, you're going to hear it. And the reason is because we've had our head in the sand for the past six months. But God spoke and it was affirmed because he stepped inside their living room and instantly healed their four-year-old son that couldn't breathe, that was wheezing and gasping for breath. God did it. God spoke. We've listened and fulfillment. Fulfillment has begun. Hallelujah. The Jordan River opened up for them as we've preached, including the ministry team. The Jericho walls fell down. The sun stood still. The kings of Canaan were forced into early retirement. Evil was booted and hope was rebooted. By the end of the campaign, the homeless wanderers became hope-filled homesteaders. A nation of shepherds began to quarry a future out of the Canaanite hills. They built farms and villages and planted vineyards. The accomplishments were so complete that the historian wrote, So the Lord gave to Israel all the land which he had sworn to give to their fathers, and they took possession of it. They took possession of it and dwelt in it. The Lord gave them rest all around according to all that he had sworn to their fathers and not a man of all their enemies stood against them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. Not a word failed. Not one promise to them failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. All of it. All of it came to pass. What sweeping statements. The Lord gave all the land. The Lord gave them rest. Not a man of their enemies stood against them. All of it came to pass. And they were officially designated with the title of promised land occupants. I'm going to get kind of brazen right now. But they had arrived. You would have been a fool to have challenged them to some kind of a war. You would have been a fool to try to take that land away from them. Nothing, nobody could stand in their way. They didn't believe the promise. They occupied it. They took possession of it. Winter chill gave way to springtime thaw. A new season was born. And we are giving birth to a new season. God has purged our doubt and fear. God has rebuilt and restructured our faith. You've seen something in yourself over the past months that you didn't even know existed. You survived a pandemic, my friend. You say, well, Pastor, that's awfully brazen because it ain't over yet. Yeah, it is. You're going to see some more COVID and all that stuff. But our attitude about it's changing. Our attitude about it is changing. A new season is being born. Preachers have preached for years. Have we now arrived at our place of promise? Is this where God has been leading us? 
all this time. I could tear this building down. I just feel like if a devil was here right now, I could just slap him. Just slap the fire out of the devil right now. That's just how I'm feeling right now. We don't need to cross the Red Sea anymore. We don't need to cross a Jordan River anymore. That need has been fulfilled and satisfied. Y'all with me? We do struggle to get through the week. But let me go on to say that we're not facing Jericho anymore. We've learned how to negotiate through faith this quarantine thing and this pandemic thing. We've learned how to negotiate it. The Canaanites aren't stalking them anymore. I'm changing my notes here because uh, I just feel a shift in the Holy Ghost. I'm all kind of off the script, but I don't feel like I'm being stalked by COVID anymore. I may get it and pass away. I don't know. But I'm standing right now as an occupant. I've taken possession of the promise that God has made that He's going to have a church and come hell, high water, COVID, and everything else. He's going to have a church. He said that I will build my church at the gates of hell and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. We're embarking on a new season. We're giving birth to a revival that's more substance and more content than we ever have. So let me tell you what it's going to take to face tomorrow, whatever it holds. I'm not stupid, and I'm not being a pie-in-the-sky guy right now. I know that this pandemic's still going on. And I know we got two hurricanes coming to our Gulf this coming week. I know that. But I also know the one who holds all things in his hands. So let me illustrate it this way. All of us can relate to the deflated little fellow that one writer saw in an airport terminal. He said that a man and his family were on summer vacation, at least that's what he detected from the way they were dressed, flip-flops, baseball caps, straw hats. They were apparently beach-bound for a week of sand and sun. Everything about the dad's expression said, hurry up. We have to run if we're going to make the connection. The concourse was his football field and departure gate was his end zone and he was determined to, to score his touchdown. But there was a little boy with him and the question was, could he keep up? Mom could. She matched her husband stride for stride. The big brothers could. They hitched their backpacks higher and leaned forward into the draft of their parents. But the little guy, he was five years old, six at most. His face was resolved, but his legs were too short. It didn't help matters that he was dragging a pint-sized Mickey Mouse carry-on bag, nor did it help that the entire civilized world was jammed into that airport that day. He tried to match his parents' pace, but he just couldn't. So he stopped right in the middle of the mayhem. He gave up. He plopped his bag down on the floor and sat on top of it and shouted in the direction of his disappearing families, I can't keep up! And there's people here today that can relate to that. Sometimes the challenge is just too much. You want to give up, you try. It's not what you is, it's not that you don't, you just run out of fight. Life has a way of taking the life out of us, especially over the past month, the months. The entire book of Joshua is in the Bible for such seasons. It dares us to believe our best days are ahead of us. God has a promised land for us to take. The promised land was the third stop on the Hebrews' iconic itinerary. Their pilgrimage began in Egypt, continued through the wilderness, and concluded in Canaan. Each land represents a different condition of life. It's where geography becomes theology. In Egypt, the Hebrews were enslaved to Pharaoh. In the wilderness, they were free from Pharaoh, but still enslaved 
to fear. They refused to enter the promised land. And so they languished in the desert. Only in Canaan did they discover their victory. Egypt, the wilderness, and Canaan. Slaves to Pharaoh. Slaves to fear. But finally, the people of promise. Finally, they had arrived. Finally, they reached the destination that God had for them. We too travel this itinerary. Egypt represents our days before salvation. We were in bondage to sin. We wore the leg irons of guilt and death. But then came our deliverer, Jesus Christ. By his grace and his power, we crossed the Red Sea baptism. He liberated us from the old life and offered a brand new life in Canaan, the Holy Ghost, a place where his promise meets our reality. Our promised land isn't a physical territory here today, but it is a spiritual reality. It is not real real estate, but it is a real state of the heart, mind, and soul. A promised land life in which we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. A life in which we do not lose heart. A life in which Christ's love has the first and last word in everything we do. A life in which we are exceedingly joyful in all of our tribulation. A life in which we are anxious for nothing. In which we are praying always. In which we can do all things. In which we can do all things through Christ who works in us. Canaan, the land of promise, is a life defined by grace refined by challenge and aligned with a heavenly call. In God's plan, in God's land, we win more often than we lose. We forgive as quickly as we are offended and give as abundantly as we receive. We serve out our giftedness and delight in our assignments. We may stumble, but we do not collapse. We may struggle, struggle, but we do, but we defy despair. We boast only in Christ, truth, trust only in God, and lean wholly on His power. We enjoy a abundant fruit and increasing faith. Canaan, the land of promise that we currently occupy, symbolizes the victory we can begin to experience today again. In spite of what the hymn suggests to Canaan's land, I'm on my way where the soul of man never dies. Canaan is not a metaphor for heaven. The idea is beautiful, but the symbolism doesn't work. Heaven will have no enemies. Canaan had at least seven enemy nations. Heaven will have no battles. Joshua and his men fought at least 31 battles. Heaven will be free of stumbles and struggles. Joshua's men weren't. They stumbled and struggled, but their victories far outnumbered their defeats. Canaan then does not represent the life to come. Canaan represents the life that we can live, that we can have. God invites us to enter Canaan. There's only one condition. We must turn our back on wilderness mentality. Just as Canaan represents the victorious Christian life, the wilderness represents the defeated Christian life. In the desert, the Hebrew people were liberated from Egyptian bondage, but you wouldn't have known it by listening to them. Just three days into their freedom, the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? A few more days passed, and the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Oh, that we had died in the hand of the, uh, by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. For you brought us out here in this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. The people contended with Moses, the Bible said. The people complained against Moses, the Bible said. They inhaled anxiety like oxygen. They bellyached to the point that Moses prayed, What shall I do with these people? They are about, they're, they're ready to stone me, he said. How did the Hebrews descend to this point? It wasn't for the lack of miracles. How did we descend to this point? It wasn't for the lack of miracles. There are some very high profile miracles sitting in this house right now. So our stumbling wasn't due to a lack of miracles. They saw God's power in high definition, 1080p. 
They watch locusts gobble crops, boils devour skin, and flies buzz through Pharaoh's court. God turned the chest-thumping Egyptians into fish bait right before their eyes. But when God called them to cross over into Canaan, the twelve spies returned, and all but two of them said the mission was impossible. The giants are too big for us, they said. We're like grasshoppers. We are tiny, tiny bugs. They will squash us. So God gave them time to think it over. He put the entire nation in time out for nearly 40 years. They walked in circles. They ate the same food every day. Life was an endless routine of the same rocks, lizards, and snakes. Victories were scarce and progress was slow. I ain't living like that. They were saved, but not strong. Redeemed, but not released. Saved from Pharaoh, but stuck in the desert. Redeemed, but locked in a routine. Monotonous, dull, ho-hum, hum-drum. Four decades of tedium. Sounds miserable, and to some of us today, it is sounding a little too familiar. For you to become a promised land occupant, here's what you need to know about your first challenge. The walls of Jericho, they are immense. Fear. They wrapped around the city like a suit of armor. Fear. Two concentric circles of stone rising a total of 40 feet above the ground. Impenetrable. Fear. Here's what you need to know about Jericho's inhabitants. Fear. They are ferocious and they're barbaric. Fear. They have withstood every siege and have repelled all invaders what fear does. They are guilty of child sacrifice. The Bible said they even burned their sons and daughters as sacrifices to their gods. They were Bronze Age version of the Gestapo ruthless tyrants on the plains of Canaan until Joshua showed up. Okay. I almost said this a little while ago, but I didn't, but I'm going to say it now. We've been fighting all this mess until I showed up several Sundays ago. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Pastor showed up and I told you, I've heard from God. And he said, let's get in this ship and we're going to cross over to the other side. Nothing happened to the ship. The ship was intact. When they got to the demoniac of Gadara, okay. God spoke and Pastor showed up. Watch this. This Jericho thing, their reputation reverberated throughout the land and everybody was terrified of them until Joshua showed up. Until the day his army marched in. Until the day the bricks started cracking and the boulders started breaking. Until the day that everything shook, the stones and the walls and knees of the king and the teeth of the shoulders. This unstoppable fortress had just met an unstoppable force. Mighty Jericho crumble. And you know what I'm feeling here today? This pandemic thing is crumbling. There's some cracks in the armor that I'm beginning to see. It's not as deadly as everybody said it was going to be. The millions they predicted that would die of it haven't died. It it seems like we're kind of on the upswing of it. I'm saying that in the name of Jesus. I'm not basing it on something I saw on television or anywhere else. I'm saying it in the name of Jesus. So here's what you need to know about Joshua. He didn't bring the walls of Jericho down. Joshua's soldiers never swung a hammer. His own men never dislodged a brick. They never rammed a door or pried loose loose a stone. The shaking, quaking, rumbling, and tumbling of those thick, impervious walls, God did that. For them. I said God did that for them. And God wants to do that for you. Your Jericho is fear. It may be anger. It may be bitterness. It may be pride or prejudice. Your insecurity about the future. Your guilt over the past. Your negativity and proclivity to criticize. Overanalyze or compartmentalize. Your Jericho is any mindset or attitude that keeps you from joy and peace and rest. It stands between you and you becoming a promised land occupant. 
It mocks you and tells you to take your dreams back to the wilderness. It stands like an ogre on the bridge of progress. It is big, it's evil, it stands in your way, and its walls must fall. To be a promised land occupant, we must face our Jericho. It's not always easy. Every level of inheritance from God requires a disinheritance from the devil. Every level of inheritance from God requires a disinheritance from the devil. Satan must be moved off before you, the promised land occupant, can move in. Joshua told his people, go in and possess the land which the Lord God has given you to possess. The word, the verb, translated possess, uh, translated possess means to occupy by driving out previous tenants and possessing it in their place. We know the devil's not going to leave without a fight. He'll resist. He'll push back. But he will not win. Why? Because he was defamed and defeated at Calvary. And he has no authority over you. Only what you give him. God's word to Joshua is God's word to us today. Be strong and be of good courage. Do not heed your fear. Do not cower before your woes. Take the land that God has given you to possess. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, watch this. God said unto Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand. It's king and the mighty men of valor. God didn't command them to go take the city. God said, Go take the city that I've already taken. Joshua did not go forth hoping to win. He knew that God had already won. And that's how I feel about the church today. I'm not hoping we will get through this. The church will get through it. The church will get through it. It's up to you to stay a part of the church. So the same can be said about you and your challenge that you're facing today. <clears throat> For example, God does not say, Okay, Glenn Murphy, break your habit. God says, Glenn Murphy, I have already broken the bad habits in your life. You need to receive my deliverance. That's what he's saying. Remember, you are a co-heir with Christ. Every attitude that Christ possessed is at your disposal. Was Jesus victorious? Did he overcome sin and death? Yes, he did. So the question is not, will I overcome? The question is, when? will I overcome. Life will always bring us challenges, but God will always give you the strength to face them. Things are different in Canaan. Hang-ups and addictions when you're in Canaan, they don't have the last word anymore. Today's problem in Canaan is not necessarily tomorrow's problem. When you live in Canaan, you do not incarcerate or quarantine yourself by assuming that that's the way it is. Resist self-labeling. Well, I'm just a worrier, Pastor. I'm just an alcoholic. I'm just a nicotine addict. I'm just a this. I'm just a that. Gossip is my weakness. My dad was an alcoholic, and I guess I'll carry on the family tradition. Stop labeling yourself. These words create an alliance with the devil. They grant him access to your spirit. It is not God's will that you live a defeated, marginalized, unhappy, weary life. Turn a deaf ear to old voices and make new choices. Live out your inheritance, not your circumstance. You say, well, Pastor, how can I do that? I'm so glad you asked. <clears throat> because God has already promised the victory over it, and he has weapons for the fight. Just as Jericho was a stronghold in Canaan, we have this stronghold thing going on in our life right now. The Apostle Paul used the term to describe a mindset or attitude. Watch this. 
in 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5, he said, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. And everything that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. This is attitude. It's attitude. He defined a stronghold as an argument or high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. It's a conviction, an outlook, or belief that attempts to interfere with truth. Other translations describe a stronghold as imaginations, as we just read. One translation calls it pretension or posturing. One called it lofty opinion. The message called it warped philosophies. A lot of people even here today have endorsed this warped philosophy syndrome about this pandemic, and you have totally taken all of God's power away from doing anything about it. That is not the Word of God, neither is it the will of God. So does a stronghold have a stronghold on you? Do you see nothing but Jericho? Do you feel nothing but despair? Do you think thoughts of defeat? Do you speak the language of impossibility? God could never forgive me. That's a stronghold of guilt. Bad things always happen to me. It's a stronghold of self-pity. I have to be in charge. It's a stronghold of pride. I don't deserve to be loved. It's a stronghold of rejection. I'll never recover the stronghold of defeat. I must be good or God will reject me. The stronghold of performance. I'm only as good as I look. The stronghold of appearance. My value equals my possessions. A stronghold of materialism. And the list goes on. Many Christian people don't recognize strongholds. They live in the shadow of these joy-sucking Jerichos. But we don't have to be among them, folks. Our weapons are from God Himself and have divine power to demolish strongholds. It's attitude. Isn't that what we want? We long to see our strongholds demolished, turned into rubble once and for all, forever and ever, kaboom, caught in between the land of Egypt and Canaan. Think about the Christian you want to be. What qualities do you want to have? More compassion, more conviction, more courage, more discipline. What attitudes do you want to discontinue? Greed, guilt, endless negativity, a critical spirit? How about fear? Here's the good news. You can. With God's help, you can close the gap between the person you are and the person you want to be. Indeed, we go, as the Bible said, from glory to glory. The walls of Jericho have already been condemned. The giants are already on the run. The deed to your new life in Canaan has already been signed. It just falls to you to move in. It's kind of like the closing on the real estate deal has already happened. Sheila Goins, have you ever closed a real estate deal and gave people the keys to their house? That's one of the cool things about being a, real, a realtor. I've experienced it several times where you go through the closing, the attorney goes to that stack of papers, it looks like a telephone directory. <laughs> and it's finally all done. And the current or the, the last owner of the house gives you the keys and you give them to the new owner. You ever experienced that? It's a cool thing, ain't it? I think it's awesomely fulfilling all the work to get that deal. And of course you also know that once you pass the key on you get your check and that really makes it fulfilling. So we gotta keep it, you know, in proper perspective here. But it is pretty cool just slide them tables them keys across the table and said, Here's your new house. Have you ever known of anybody that didn't move in? They went through all that trouble. Let me make it even better than that. Do we have any spoiled brat kids here today? And the hands shoot up all over the building because we're all honest. Your mom and daddy buys you a house. Never happened for me. 
I'm not going to raise your hand, but because you ain't going to like the point I'm about to make. But Daddy worked hard. Mama worked hard. They contributed a lot of money to the down payment. Who knows? They might have paid cash, took it all out of their checking account, their savings account, and bought you a house. And you sat there at the closing table and watch all of that happen. And the realtor slides you the key to the house that your mom and daddy just bought. But you decide, I'm just going to keep living where I'm living. I ain't going to move into that house. I think we would all judge right. How stupid are you? And the same principle applies. Jesus went through this big real estate transaction with the devil and seven nations and 31 kings. And he said, I'm sending the people your way and they are going to terrify you out of your mind. And you're going to run like scalded dogs when you see them coming. And I'm going to give them your land, whether you like it or not. And Israel gets to the wilderness and goes, I don't want it. And we are here today, sitting on the precipice of a whole new level and a whole new dimension of faith and promise and the will of God and the purpose of God. And are we going to sit here and say, I don't want it. I'd rather continue living in my old house, not me. Not me. You know what they did when they crossed into the land of Canaan? You know what happened to them? It's interesting. They inherited their inheritance. Has anybody had wealthy parents that died and left you a fortune? I don't see any hands on that one either. And for you to go to the attorney's office and him show you that will and you could inherit $10 million right now and you sit there and say, no, I don't want it. I'd rather just live like I've been living and struggling from week to week and all that stuff. Anybody with a right mind would classify you as a fool. I speak to you today in the name of Jesus. God has spoken to me. And he wants to take the church to a place it's never been before. And I am not going to be the one to stand here and argue with God about it. Give me a ticket. I'm getting on the ship. And I'm in for the long haul. Whatever I have to do. Because I want to be an occupant of this promise. (laughs) You know what I've learned? In my little short, shallow life of living for God. It's been pretty cool, actually. It's been very appealing to me to live for the Lord. I like it. When you counsel with people who have addictions and alcoholics or family members as alcoholics and people that are bitter and all that, I don't want to be like that. That don't appeal to me. I'm sure Brother Billy Thornton back there could give you a good description of what sin is. Because he faces it every year, every day as a law enforcement officer. What sin does to people. I'm not interested in that. I want to be a clean life and honest and pure and all of that. I want to be what God wants me to be. It's pretty cool living like that. So what I've learned in my little short life and what have you with a few experiences I've had is when I hear the voice of God speaking to me, Sister Murphy, and he says... I'm fixing to calm this storm and I'm going to take you to a place you've never been before. That doesn't make me want to get off the ship, Katie. That don't make me want to get off. That don't make me want to tell God, hey, can you turn this around and take me back? I want to go back to normal back there. Not me. Not me. I want to let's go, buddy. I want the front seat. Jesus, if you're taking us somewhere, I'm ready to march. Do you remember the song years ago? It was kind of a rap thing as I remember. But it was a, there was a line in it that just said, shut up and march. If Jesus can persuade us today, 
like the Jewish people were persuaded to start walking around the walls of Jericho. The first lap, Brother James, you feel real stupid. Y'all did good marching around them walls. Look at that. They didn't do a thing. Good for y'all. Give you a lot of credit. You marched. And the second day they marched. And the third day they marched. And on the seventh day they marched. And they marched again and again and again and again. Just making complete fools out of themselves. Saying all these crazy things. That if we march these walls are going to fall down flat. And we're going to take everything y'all got on the inside. And the people, the inhabitants of the city are. Ah, ha, 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 ha. Look at those idiots. Ah, ha, ha. This is what we were worried about. These were the people that came out of that wilderness. We were scared of these people. They don't even have weapons. And I'll be honest with you today. I do feel just a little bit silly preaching what I'm preaching right now. Because it seems like I'm marching around walls that hadn't started trembling yet. But God spoke to me. God spoke to me. And you know what I'm going to do? <laughs> I'm going to keep on marching, buddy. I'm going to keep preaching. I'm going to keep believing. Hallelujah to God. I'm not here to change diapers. I'm here to see people grow up, become adults, and become warriors. I need some prayer warriors. I need some faith people that will get up and march. Everybody stand to your feet and clap your hands and shout out some praise to Jesus. I'm, I'm, I want to close on this point. We're going to have altar service today just like we normally do. So if you want to put on your lanyard, they'll tell us to pray for you, how to pray for you or not pray for you at all. I don't mean that in an ugly way. I don't mean it that way. We want to be safe. I honor that. We honor that. But we don't have altar service today. But I have a conversation with somebody in the lobby Wednesday night after church, after preaching Wednesday night has a very difficult physical condition in his family. The person's here. I'm not going to call their name. His eyes welled up with tears. The person with the very challenging physical conditions, they're here as well. But when that diagnosis came forth, they prayed about it, prayed about it, prayed about it, prayed about it, prayed about it. His eyes welled up with tears, and he said, one thing we fight with, Pastor, is we're just afraid God's going to just keep telling us no. I want to say to this sweet family, and I love them dearly, have amazing children. I don't believe God ever said no. I believe what God is saying is it's not time. You on board? It's not that I'm saying no. It's not time. I know the children of Israel in the wilderness, their shoes didn't wear out and their clothes and all that. But I do know when they crossed into their promised land, they were far short of being an army. Their clothes was good and their sandals was good, but they didn't have a single weapon. So they weren't the fit and body anyway. God can take us just like we are and put us in our land of promise. And if we don't get the miracle we're personally seeking, we're still in promise. And there's always the hope for that to happen. But if you never cross over, you diminish any hope of healing. This family has crossed over. I'm not saying that. I'm using that as an example, and it's a valid point. I've had more than one person tell me, I'm not being prayed for again. It does no good. I had somebody tell me that one time. So we're going to have altar service, and in light of the fact 
that God has won every victory. He's won every battle. He's conquered every enemy. He's defeated every foe. In light of that, if you can receive that, that the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord, you want to occupy the promise of God. You want to live in it. I'm asking all of Grace Church. If you don't believe this, don't do what I'm about to ask you to do. But I'm asking everybody that believes it, if you'll come stand around the front, put on your lanyard. I'm going to ask the ministry team to help me. Y'all get your antennas up, get the discernment going. And if you feel like people need prayer, if they don't have on a lanyard, I want you to pray for them. I want everybody to come that will. Everybody that come on, come on. In the name of Jesus. We're fighting something worse than COVID right now. Said that before, we are. But we're doing good. We're winning the battle, and I'm thankful for that. As they begin to sing, I want everybody to begin to pray. God, I'm packing up. I'm packing everything I've got up spiritually. I'm packing up my heart, my desires, my passion, my vision. I'm packing up my faith, and I am moving into your promise. And I am determined to live there, to stay there. To be a true believer. If you're here today and you're not quite there, we want to help you pack and move to the promised land. If you're not quite there, let us help you get all your things together. God has some keys He wants to give you. Come on, somebody. The day of miracles has been reborn. God is still healing. God is still saving. God is still encouraging. everybody everybody help me today everybody help me today you promised land occupants help me today with your faith help us today with your faith somebody needs some encouragement right now somebody needs some encouragement right now Keep working the crowd. Keep working the crowd. God's doing the work. God's doing the work right now. Yes, He is. God's doing the work. us to be. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I feel the Holy Ghost moving. I feel the Holy Ghost moving. Come on, somebody. Live in His promise. Live in His promise. God, I accept your promise. Oh, God, I accept your promise. 